Hear the word of God from Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17 and verse 33. This reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 795 in the Pew Bible. Then the disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. With them, indeed, is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, You will indeed listen, but never understand, and you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is often very common for preachers to begin their sermons by telling a joke. I suppose the thinking is that if you tell a joke at the start of your sermon and get people to laugh, then it puts their mind at ease and it gets them on your side. Now, over my years in ministry, as I've tried to mature as a preacher, there is a part of me that now thinks that telling a joke at the start of a sermon is cliché. There is another part of me that is not above stooping low for a cheap laugh. So, <laughs> why don't you ever see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're good at it. <laughs> what do you call a bunny with fleas? Bugs Bunny. I didn't say these were funny jokes, I just said... Uh, what is E.T. short for? What is E.T. short for? Mm, what is E.T. short for? Because of his short, stubby legs. And then there is a joke that my younger daughter, Madeline, told me this morning. What, what is the difference between a poorly dressed man on a unicycle and a well-dressed man on a bicycle? A tire. Thank you very much. <laughs> She's given me the thumbs up, which is her way of saying, my joke was funnier than yours, Dad. That's what she's saying. <laughs> Regardless of what you think about 
riddles and jokes starting a sermon, it occurs to me that Jesus loved a good riddle. In fact, he told a lot of them throughout his years in ministry, except the riddles that Jesus told in his public teaching were not designed to get people to laugh, like mine weren't very funny, but his riddles were designed to get people to see, to open their eyes, to become aware, perhaps for the very first time, of something that has been in front of them their entire life. They've just never noticed it. And if Jesus could get people to see this reality, then it would utterly transform their lives. It would, it would upend their priorities. It would open their perspectives and their horizons to a whole new different way of experiencing God and the world and themselves. That is what motivated Jesus opening the eyes of people, to see reality the way God sees it, to release them from the confines of their human limitations and begin to experience a whole new reality. Now, what is the phrase that the Gospels give that Jesus used to describe that new reality, that new way of seeing? Well, in fact, it is the most, one of the most common phrases in the entire Gospel, and it is the favorite sermon topic of Jesus, the, the thing that he preached on more than anything else. He preached about the kingdom of God. That's the phrase, the kingdom of God. And the way that Jesus liked to talk about the kingdom of God was by telling riddles. Now, we didn't call them riddles. Instead, we call them parables. Parables cute little stories, harmless-looking tales about a, a mustard seed or about a treasure in a field or laborers in a vineyard, cute stories that on the surface are just quaint. They seem like pithy little morality tales, but deep down inside, below the surface of the parable, is the potential to upend one's worldview to flip their perspective upside down and to reveal to them a way of seeing God and the world that's been there their entire time but is now revealed to them with a surprise. Is it possible that a person could live their entire life, that you and I could live our entire lives and not see the world the way God wants us to see it? Well, Jesus spent his entire public ministry ensuring that people could see it. If, if only they would open their eyes. And that's the question. Because many times when Jesus told a parable in the Gospels, folks didn't get it. Folks didn't see it, including the disciples. And in fact, this scripture reading from Matthew that Gray just read for us begins with the disciples not getting it. They're just scratching their heads. This is what Matthew said. Then the disciples came and asked him, Jesus, why do you speak to them in parables? To which Jesus answered with a response that is equally cryptic and riddling. He said, 
To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. This is my impression of Jesus, by the way. See, in my mind, he sounds like a serious Filipino. So, but to, to them it has not been given. For to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. To which all God's people said, what? What are you trying to say here, Jesus? I mean, wouldn't it have been easier if Jesus had just used plain, simple, clear language to communicate those deeper truths? It would have been a whole lot easier to understand I mean, that's Communications 101, right? That if you want to communicate a message, communicate it in a way that people will understand it. I mean, what would it be like if I tried to speak that way? If for like 25 minutes in a sermon, I used unclear language where I wasn't making my point very clearly and in fact maybe boring people to death for 25 minutes, what would that be like? Don't answer that. I like the way German theologian Helmut Tilke once suggested that we interpret a parable, unlock the riddle. He said, if you want to understand the meaning of a parable, insert yourself into the story. Find yourself in that story and experience that story for what it is. I like that mode of interpreting parables. What would it be like if you were the mustard seed, or if you were that person looking for that treasure in the middle of a great field, or if you were like the laborers in the vineyard, what would it be like if you were the good Samaritan or the prodigal son? What if you were the victim that was lying on the side of the road, or what if you were the Levite or the priest who was too busy to help that victim? You see what happens when, when we insert ourselves into the parable, is that all of a sudden we sink below the surface meaning of that story and we begin to realize that our eyes are starting to open to see a deeper truth that's been there all along and that we actually begin to see the truth of what God is wanting us to see. These quaint, pithy little stories are meant to push us into seeing the world in a completely different way, in a way that reprioritizes our lives and changes the way we perceive God and ourselves and our relationship to God. In other words, we begin to see our world turned upside down. And that is the point of a parable. And that is what we pray happens in our lives starting today. And in fact... That is the basis for our next five weeks together through the month of October. That God would begin to work within us to open our eyes and do nothing short of turning our worlds and our perspectives upside down. Now, some of you may be familiar with the television show America's Got Talent. Some of you may be even avid fans of the show, as you know then. The show ended its season last Wednesday by crowning a winner of that reality show competition. What you may not be familiar with is that there is an equivalent of America's Got Talent in Switzerland. 
appropriately titled uh, Schweizer Talente or Switzerland's Got Talent. Uh, if you know the premise of the show, you know that there are always competitors up on stage doing some kind of act, performing for the audience and for four judges that are sitting behind a big desk, and each judge has a button in front of them. And if they press that button, a strike sign shows up in front of them. The performer does their act, and if the judges deem their performance to be uninteresting or boring or not entertaining, then the judge would press their strike, and once that performer got four strikes, then they fail to move on to the rest of the competition. Well, last year on Switzerland's Got Talent, there was an artist, a painter, in fact, who during their whole two-minute performance proceeded to paint a portrait. A portrait, in fact, of one of the four judges sitting there watching her performance. It was a simple enough portrait, not terribly compelling, and apparently not very interesting or entertaining because, as you will see in this clip, all four judges pressed their strike button, but the entire clip is worth watching. Turns out I speak fluent Swiss, and I can tell you that all of the judges were saying, 
the kingdom of God is like that. Because <laughs> here we are, just trying to do the best we can with the lives that we've been given, just painting a portrait the best we know how every single day, living a normal life, doing the best we can, trying to make ends meet, trying to support our families, trying to do the best we can and do as much good in the time we've been given. Nothing terribly exciting or extraordinary. The world, of course, would have us try to follow its own way and convince us that the portrait that we're trying to paint of our lives is all about making a name for ourselves or amassing fortune and wealth or trying to rise up some kind of ladder at the expense of other people or trying to hide our vulnerabilities to shield our limitations, to project onto other people the fact that we think we're really strong and we have it all together. That's what the world would want us to be. That's the painting that we're trying to create. That's, that's the world that we see. But the kingdom of God is when Jesus shows us that there's a completely different way to see the world. And slowly and gradually, as that, as that portrait of God's grace gets flipped upside down, we discover something troubling, something unsettling, something surprising, and something liberating. That the kingdom of God reverses everything we thought we were supposed to do, everything we thought we were to know. And Jesus says this over and over again. It's not about rising to the top. It's about serving your way to the bottom. It's not about what you look like. It's about how you love. It's not about what you gain. It's about how you give. It's not about rising to the top. It is about giving God your best. It is not about how strong you are. It is about having your weakness transformed by the grace of God. And that's why teaching after teaching, parable after parable, Jesus said things like, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Those who were first will be last. Those who were last will be first. He said, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. And those who lose your life, they're the ones who are going to gain it. And every time Jesus spoke, that picture was gradually turned upside down. That is the kingdom of God. And that's what God wants you to see. It is possible for a person to live their entire life and not begin to see this grand picture of God's power and grace the way God wants them to see it. And my prayer for each of us as a church is that slowly but surely, through our trust and our surrender and our faithful obedience to God, we will see the power of God turn our worlds upside down. That is what the kingdom of God is. It is the complete and utter surrender of our will to the will and way of God, a reversal of the way that we live in order to live the way God wants us to. And that is what drove Jesus to do what He did. And that is the basis for our next five weeks together. By the end of every Sunday in October, we will see that portrait shifted more and more each week to see the kingdom of God for what it really is. Next Sunday, October 1st, is our Mission Celebration Sunday. It's Worldwide Communion Sunday. And when you come here on Sunday, you will see that the kingdom of God is much bigger than our own individual lives. It is expansive, it is global, and it reaches the furthest corners of the earth. 
through the mission of this church. And you will get to see 40-plus missions representatives bear witness to what God is doing because of your faithfulness and support and because of the power of God. The following Sunday, October 8, may be the most important Sunday since I have returned as your senior pastor two years ago. Because on that Sunday, October 8th, I will share a message about the future of this church and the future of our mission together. And then it'll be followed by October 15, 22, and 29, where each Sunday we will refocus on our mission statement of making God's love real. And we will hear stories of how God's love has been made real in our past, in the long, rich history and legacy of this church, how it's being made real today and making a deep impact in our community around us, and then on October 29th, we will begin to envision, imagine what God wants to do in this church to make God's love real down the road. By the end of these Sundays, by the end of October, it is our prayer that that, that glimpse of the kingdom of God that we get will come into full view as each of us individually learn to commit the fullness of our lives over to God. That is what it's all about. In fact, to seal that, Jesus told one other parable. It's the parable that's at the end of our Scripture reading today. He said, the kingdom of God is like yeast. You know what yeast is small, insignificant, seemingly lifeless, inanimate, maybe a lot like the way you feel like you're living your life. But Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like yeast because once it's, once it's activated, it becomes life-giving. It impacts the material around it so that that tiny bit of yeast becomes alive and the dough begins to rise and that dough becomes bread that become a nourishment to those who are hungry all because of that tiny insignificant thing. So, in the words of Helmut Tilke, what if you are that yeast? What if this church is that yeast? Little old you, little old seemingly insignificant you can become activated by the power and grace of God to bring life to those around you, to make a deep and profound and lasting difference so that you, by the power of God's grace, can become nourishment for a hungry world. You see, that can only happen when our eyes are opened and we begin to see the world and our lives the way God wants us to see it. That is the kingdom of God. Let's open our eyes. Let's pray together. Gracious and eternal God, we thank you for the parables. And we thank you to the truth to which the parables point that there is a bigger and deeper life than that which we normally see. 
you have called us to deeper and greater things. You've called us to live a life beyond that which we are occupied at the moment. You call us to make a difference in and through this church and by the power of your Spirit. Oh God, there are so many people who are suffering, who are hungry today. People who are the victims of violence and oppression. People who are torn apart, apart by the polarization of our day. People who are left to picking up the pieces of storms that have ravaged their communities and their homes. The people of Texas and Florida, the people of Puerto Rico and the Eastern Caribbean. You remind us that we are called to make a difference as yeast, as mustard seeds, as pearls of great price. Help us, O oh God, to say yes to You, that You might open our eyes in the days and weeks to come so that the culmination of that light and revelation will be nothing short of the utter transformation of who we are and what we do and what we accomplish together as Your church. That is our desire, and we ask that You will do that through us, not for our sake, but for Your glory alone. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and let all God's people say, Amen.